Peace to you, holy saints of God. I am very glad to see you all and along with you to rejoice, to trust in, to hear, and to place in our hearts as well as to place it to circulation that word, as well as to tremble before it, that word which we hear from this place. We are very blessed. And before we are immersed into our inheritance, I would like to testify uh, my repentance. This will be a testimony, I will say, of deliverance that God has opened my eyes and allowed me to see many things completely different. So I had, I had sinned. You know, when we had returned to our regular services, our self-isolation was about 14 months or so. And during the time of this isolation, there was a lot of information that was revealed to me. I was interested in, read about. And when we had returned and the first services, Pastor Arkadia turned to us and demonstrating his care for us, he talked about uh, each of us needing to make the decision and to be to be sober in our spirit, soul, and body. And of course, my personal opinion, I thought, was faithful regarding this. But when Brother Arkady had reminded us from this place of Scripture information inside, I was in disagreement with all of that which he said. I thought the pulpit is not a place to talk about vaccines. It is meant for something completely different, I thought. I understood that this was his own opinion regarding this question. Having analyzed my thoughts, I thought that this was not the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. That this is a dogmatic, this is not a, do a question of dogmatism in regards to our teaching. This is uh, not, has nothing to do with the promise that we are clothed in. I even, before we gathered at our first cell group, I called all of the saints and I had warned them when we gather, we are not going to discuss this topic. This did not unite us, and this will not separate us, is what I said. Let everyone leave their opinions about this topic to themselves, I told them. And I myself thought, hold on, I am going to watch from the side and observe what's going to, what's going to happen. And despite the fact that Brother Arkady had called out each of us with um, the phrase along the phrase, follow me, because the Lord has revealed to me personally. I just was not ready to accept this to, for myself because I had so much information. And I figured pastor might not even know how much information I contain. You know, like in war. This was this was in this resulted in a curse in my life and we had gotten sick very difficult very difficultly sick the lord 
according to his mercy, he allowed me to see that I had exited out of the, the shadow that was over me for many years. That had kept me from different kinds of calamity. These are his, the wings of the Almighty and his truth. You know, the 90th Psalm that I think you all know very well. We in this soul group bless all the people who have birthdays. And because I had read it so often, but I, re I remembered these words. And again, thinking, uh, uh, thinking in bed at night, that which happened to me, I saw in this psalm. I will read. He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His refuge, his truth shall be your shield and buckler. You know, in the first uh, days, Pilate has also asked Jesus, what is truth? The truth is that word that we hear together from this place that has marked, that has been marked by the hand of the Almighty. And having rejected the word of the man of God, I found myself outside of the wings under the cover of his, uh, of his wings. And you know, when we are found under wings, we are found under protection. Until this call came out, we for 14 months pay attention to how the Lord had kept us safe during these 14 months. But in his time, Jesus said to Thomas, I am the truth, the way, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And we remember the words of Jesus that as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And I, for myself, saw that in my disobedience in regard to this question, I rejected the messengership of Brother Arkady. And I placed myself outside of the order of God. Although I had tried to comfort myself, uh, I listened to the archive, I listened to the Leviticus chapter 7, there were questions and answers at the end of the sermon, and one of the questions that came to Pastor, to this day I don't think Brother Akadi would read it out loud in that aspect in which it was, it was, uh, it was, is the pulpit just as the communists had tried to brainwash or is the pulpit like this the question was posed if the pulpit was like this our father demonstrated patience and he said simply everything that I say is according to the word of God I say talk regarding about the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh I speak deep truths follow me and the rest is your personal life for which you are personally responsible. And I rejoiced. Oh, okay, this is my this is my personal life. I'm going to select this as my my decision. And this had led me. Of course, you might smile. That I call disobedience and sin the refusal to follow the one. To follow that which was a which was a cry from our father. There were several times when we had went to bed and we even slept in separate bedrooms and when we met eyes and there was a thought, are we going to even see each other tomorrow? 
because everything was dim when we were sick. Our whole life, all the colors, they they ceased to exist for us. When it was simply difficult to breathe, there were different thoughts that came upon us. This is in the past. Blessed is the Lord my rock, I shall not fall. I want to turn to those who to this day have their own personal opinion. Tremble, fear God. Do not try to And the Lord of Obedience always was and is the Lord of Obedience. And I am personally thankful for Brother Kadi's sister Tamara, those who had interceded for us for our healing, those who simply came and brought food, brought produce, left it at the door. We with Olga are very grateful for you. The Lord had heard your prayers. And I had called our pastor, confessed my sin. Not seeing him, I, not seeing him, I heard his smile, and he said, "The Lord has taken off your sin, and here I am today with you in one body, in unanimity, demonstrating obedience to the man of God who represents the fatherhood of God." And before we begin to be immersed into the depths of our inheritance in order to study his character and its power, as well as the requirements of us needing to enter into this inheritance, we will read Luke chapter 24, verse 44, the epigraph, as Pastor calls it. And he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. For us, as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that was written about Him in Scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit and what we must do on our end so that we receive the right. And you know, a lot of people, they want to have power and authority without having a right to this. Any revolution in any government as a revolt, everyone wants to receive this power, but they have no right to do so. But the Lord has offered us to use this right in order to set aside our former way of life, in order to be clothed in a new way of life. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness of truth. You know, based on the uh, testimonies of the apostles and the prophets, this promise was hit, hidden from past generations because this promise is related to the door of our hope, which according to Apostle Peter was called to be revealed to the end of days by the power of God through instruction and faith. And only to those saints who will enter into the category of the good wife that has a status of narrow gates in order to have the opportunity to inherit the adoption of their body through the redemption of Christ 
for the price to be disciples of Christ. For the fulfillment of this commandment, there are three commanding verbs. These are to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And as we have previously noted, to be clothed in the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth, we, first of all, must set aside, must deny or reject from ourselves the former way of life of our sinful nature, which is corrupt in its deceitful lusts. And only then can we receive the right to renew the aspect of our mind with the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit, or the wisdom of God in the face of the Holy Spirit. And this sermon was preached on November 4th, 2016. Is all that God does in man and through man this is simply when a person clothes himself in this new thing, when he clothes himself in a different dimension. If his thinking is not renewed, God cannot or do anything in this person or through this person. If he is an infant, perhaps something does happen through the state of infancy. But when this infantry has to when the state of infancy has to end, years pass. 30, 40 years. These people remember what was in their past life and they want to go back. But this is impossible. It is from answering these three fateful questions will depend on whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath or rather, will the salvation that was given to us in the format of a deposit be fulfilled or will we waste it forever because of which our names would forever be blotted out of the book of life despite the fact that at one time they were written there and this is so in continuing our study we stop to examine the question and you remember when you take any sermon of pastor it is tied to the previous sermons it is like a puzzle piece that's why it, when you take and you uh, try to cut all these expressions then we are going to feel this differently that's why i am not going to to i i did not correct these notes that's why some phrase you might say i you haven't you haven't said these in previous sermons but this sermon that uh, we have offered we had heard approximately five years ago and when there was a self-isolation i paid attention for myself that we had listened to the sermons watched them and i had a thought that we had heard them as if we were hearing them for the first time. Very many thoughts, many different definitions that I had heard with which I came across. Uh, some were completely new to me. And I, to myself, began to think, interesting, how long can bread be kept? You remember when the Jews wanted to keep the manna, what had happened on the second day? There were worms that had come upon them but in what kind of mana what kind of manna did the worms not they were the ones that are that were in the ark of the covenant so imagine what kind of bread we are eating and where it was found and it is always going to be fresh actual and and fulfilling 
we have noted that the new man into which we must be clothed into is our inner or inmost man that was born from the unfading seed of the Word of God, which by nature is righteous. He's righteous, holy, unfading, and undying. So he, according to his nature, it, it according to his nature cannot sin. Although for a time being, for the time being, it is in the corrupt body, it is in the fourth dimension of the unseen and eternal realm. Thus, our new man carries the mention of eternity and time, but only in time. Therefore, it does not depend on time and in fact rules over time because it looks at the unseen, lives by the unseen, and strives toward the unseen. Thanks to this, it calls the non-existent as existent. It calls the inheritance of Christ existent because the faith of God in us is not our desires of each and not the desires of each individual per, uh, each individual person. Our desires normally come from our feelings, our needs, and therefore we believe not in we believe not in healing, but in God who is the healer. We believe not in blessing, but in that Lord who is the one that blesses. We simply faithfully look at the words of God. And if we do not do this, this will look like idolatry. So having, proclaiming with our mouth the treasures of faith contained in our heart as an unfading inheritance, pure and un imperishable. Imperishable. And this means that the faith of God is tied to the written word of God and not with our desires, what we believe, how we believe. Faith is specifically that which is already engraved on the tablets of our heart. That's why when we repeat places of scripture, when pastor repeats, he says, pay attention to what percent of the next sermon uh, is, what percent of the next sermon is a repeat. And I pay attention to myself that some phrases he speaks and I can I can already uh, realize that I remember them. They are somewhere in my conscience in the treasure of my in treasury of my new man. The right to be clothed in the powers of our new man is the right to rule over what? Over time. Because without ruling over time, it is impossible to be clothed in the garments of truth to fulfill the perfect justice of our Heavenly Father. And when examining the nature of the new man, we decided to look at the process of being clothed in the power of the new man from seven different angles and seven virtues, although many more exist. This is a person clothed in garments of salvation. He is a person clothed in clothes of justice, crowned with the crown of the bridegroom, decorated with the ornaments of a bride, dressed in a wedding garment, dressed in fine linen, clean and bright, and a man who has accepted a representative force, Yahweh of hosts. When examining these virtues, we highlighted the fact that all of these virtues are located in one another, bind themselves in one another, come from one another, support one another, and serve to ratify the truth of one another. These seven virtues we accept in the seed of the word of God and we grow in fruit and in this of course we are clothed in Isaiah chapter 61 verses 10 and 11 he will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation 
One, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Two, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. Three, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Four, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. And so we have discovered four dignities. Garments of salvation, clothes of justice, uh, the crown of a bridegroom, and the ornaments of a bride. So, first, we have noted that the combination of these virtues in one person, uh, the combination of these virtues and regalia of power in one man, especially the combination of the crown of the bridegroom and jewels of the bride, truly surpasses the capabilities of our understanding. Second, in this prophetic saying, there are virtues that are grown by God in the heart of a person in the same way the earth grows its plants and a garden grows what is sown in it. We need time for everything. You know, we are always shown places of scripture about how we must prepare our hearts for hearing the word of God. And I remember the first time it began to be posted on the on the screen when I had come here and I read these words. Oh, I did not have time to prepare. Uh, when I come to read it, uh, I realized it's too late. And so I told myself, when Pastor said, Peace of God be with you, our next service will be on Friday at 7 p.m. and Tuesday and Sunday at 12. And so then I think about this with a scripture for myself. Uh, it had resonated in a new way for me. Because each time you figure, oops, and, and this time is gone. We lose time. Therefore, it's good when we think about these things in advance. Everything that occurs depends on the state of the soil. We must remember that God is not responsible for the soil. He's responsible for that seed that He offers us for this soil. And He does carry responsibility over it. And it must fulfill the requirements. Our soil must fulfill the requirements for us to accept the seed and to grow it. Therefore, the responsibility lies lies upon us. And so third, joy in the Lord in this prophecy is one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that is called to define the kingdom of heaven in the pure heart of man. Psalms 126, 5-6 This kind of fruit of joy in the heart of man is the result of harvest that yielded the kingdom of heaven in our heart, ascending in power which was previously in the sowing of an unfading seed that was planted in tears in the heart of this man. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for growing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Psalms 126, verses 5-6 through six. Therefore, being clothed into the new man is being clothed in the fruit of the Spirit brought by us to God that is called to yield in our heart the power and order of the kingdom of heaven and righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the definition of the kingdom of heaven, which is not eating and drinking. In a certain format, we have already examined the core that is in the garments of salvation and have stopped to examine the robes of righteousness, specifically the size of the price that is necessary to pay for the right to be clothed. Uh, you know, when we went to school, uh, parents paid for the student. I remember I had learned algebra when I was in school. and two lessons 
And then I went to two lessons and then I had uh, I had a D grade and I my father punished me and he sent me to summer school for which he had to pay for me to continue to learn algebra. Here it turns out that we are paying the price. No one can pay it for us. Each individual person must pay this price. And so, seventh, seventh price for the right to be clothed in a robe of righteousness to fulfill the justice of God is being clothed in the redemption that is due to being observant of the Lord's Pesach according to the statutes set in place by God. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. This is talking about the teaching of Jesus Christ and the teaching about the cross. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the, ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. So, he who fertilizes himself, fertilizes himself with this word will live forever. Only he who fertilizes. Simply, if a person hears and does not have this planted in his ear, then this is for nothing. We have noted that each detail of the yearly celebration of Pesach presented in the taking of the Lord's Supper points to final freedom from the bondage of sin and death in the body. And in the future, final freedom from the fading body and deadly soul, which thanks to the worthy partaking of the Pesach Lamb, in time, will be clothed into incorruptibility and immortality. In the Pesach statute, worthy partaking of the Pesach Lamb consisted of meeting the conditions of certain kinds of clothing that carry the readiness to fulfill God's justice and certain kinds of conditions necessary for worthy partaking of the Pesach Lamb. Non-compliance to these conditions in any of their aspects did not free man from execution of the sentence of death. Because retribution for sin is death. Therefore, when I had felt that I had sinned, I had realized I could die. And you know, the feeling that comes as if you are alone, simply alone, a pit that you fall into, and you realize that there is a path, it can, you can go back on it. And likewise, complying to the statutes of the Pesach made a person a partaker to the production of God's judgment over the firstborn of Egypt. This means that God had challenged all of the firstborn of Egypt telling them, I am the Lord, you are not gods. The earth is the Lord's and all that fills it. Exodus 12, 12, For I passed through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. According to these regulations, we know that the firstborn of Egypt that Egyptians so heavily relied on were the direct gods of Egypt. We must remember that our dependence defines our deities, our trust, 
and our worship. We could say whatever we want, but our dependence can define the object of our worship. This means that deity which we do serve. And if we do, are not free from something, then there exists a deity. And therefore, the firstborn of Egypt presented an image of the soul of a man who declined to lose his soul in the death of the Lord Jesus so that he can die to his nation, his household, and his carnal desires and preferences that went against the desires of God. And so if we do not fulfill God's justice in condemning our soul to death in the worthy practice of the Lord's Pasik, according to the statutes set in place by God, we will never be a part of the descendants of Abraham's faith. Also, we will never be able to be clothed in the robe of righteousness in the face of our new and inner man, because the feast of Pesach and leather garments that God had made for the redemption of the first Adam, even before the creation of the earth, was intended by God to be the blessed fate of all those who believe. Because specifically in the worthy partaking of Pesach, God received the ability to execute judgment over his ancestral promises, including the fulfillment of his judgment over his enemies in the face of the unclean who challenged the inheritance of God, the world, poverty, and all kinds of sicknesses and diseases that plague his chosen remnants. And for the unfading treasures of the Feast of Pesach containing within it belonging to God's people, to God's righteousness, could become our inheritance, Scripture imputed to us the need to fulfill ten conditions, or rather, to be in these ten conditions, to continually dwell in these conditions. And so this is the choice and separation of the Pesach lamb, to remove all leaven from your houses to sprinkle the blood of the Pesic lamb over the beams and doorposts, to bake the whole Pesic lamb over fire, to gird yourself with a belt, put shoes on your feet, contain a staff in your hand, eat the whole lamb, eat the Pesic lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, and eat the Pesic lamb in haste. You know, the triumphant condition of the redemption of God and man is the necessity to eat the Pesach lamb in haste. I will take the last component. Uh, Exodus 12, 11, And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The element of haste when eating the Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in Scripture numerous times as an unchanging law. This is an unchanging law. It is this element that was involved in the exodus out of Egypt, and this particular element was, laded, was elevated to a rank of special signs. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 3. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it, that is, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. Why do we need to remember these breads of affliction? Because to exit out of Egypt it is necessary to take off our garments. 
and to take off our skin like off a living animal and when our skin is taken off or ripped off then we present ourselves as a sacrifice living living holy and pleasing to God I cannot imagine I cannot imagine a sacrifice uh, to be living sacrifice right is typically that which is dead then it is killed then it is brought as a sacrifice but this we are referring to to be a living sacrifice and these are breads of affliction that we take they're breads of affliction that we eat and we when we exit out of egypt and god clothes us then we will never forget this we are going to remember this forever how god led us out of the dependence on our old man growing corrupt who had was grown corrupt and had gotten in our way the word haste aside from its literal meaning in the dimension of time means to hurry rush not be late in Hebrew in the dimension of the spirit it contains a completely different meaning specifically to be haste is to take on the yoke carry your cross or rather to cooperate your cross with the cross of Christ to endure suffering to be clothed in the robe of a disciple, to be clothed in weapons of light and the powers of the doctrine of Christ. So these are the teaching of Christ are the powers, powers of light. Or to be strengthened with all power according to the might of God's glory, to refresh your thinking, to meditate on the supreme law, to listen to the words of God with fear and trembling, as well as to stand on guard, not damaging the word of God. Considering that eating the Pesach is a guarantee of the new law, which is symbolically made in the number eight, and so on the eighth day the child was circumcised, we decided to look at eight signs that contain the meaning of haste, although there exist many more. In a certain format, we have already examined, again, I am reading, in a certain format, we have already examined six signs that define haste and worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb. We have stopped to examine the seventh sign. The seventh sign, eating the Lord's Pesach in haste in Hebrew, means to be strengthened with all power according to the might of God's glory with all patience, generosity, and joy. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Colossians 1.11 We have noted in Scripture God's power that we are called to be strengthened by eating the Lord's Pesach in haste due to the innumerable possibilities of God contained in a variety of His works that demonstrate the power and glory of God. There is a lot of power contained in the abilities of God. And this demonstrates the power and glory of God. And therefore, to be strengthened by the power of God, we begin to examine God's glory that is evident in the manifold and the multifunctional powers of God that are the works of God in the hearts of those saints that eat the Lord's Pesach in haste. You see, we should not look at the works, although we can look at the works of God separately when we look at the sun, the moon, the stars, the oceans. When we are in nature, when we look at nature, we can look at it individually, but this will not give bring us benefit. Benefit comes to, upon a person when we look at these powers in our heart because God wanted us to view in our heart all of that which He has created, the whole universe, and all of that we see He has placed it in us, in the universe and in us. 
And therefore, strength is power, strength, might, right, authority, rule, sign, covenant, to shine, designation, the attributes of royal power, the whole armor of God, the host of heaven, elements of the universe, many graces and bounties of God, many of God's greatnesses and grandeur, many innumerable and immeasurable powers of God, a lot of power and fortresses, the ability or opportunity to do justice and righteousness, the ability to spread and expand, and then miracles and wonders. Uh, there are a lot of definitions, but we will take a look at some of them. We've noted that only when we find specific strengths of God operating in us and through us, we will be able to testify that we are eating the Lord's Pesach in haste, which gives us the opportunity to withstand the ambitions of our personal Egypt. So that exiting from dependence on our Egypt with the people of God, we do not carry it out with us to the wilderness and not fall away as bones in the wilderness, like what happened with the people of Israel. So wilderness is complete sanctification. When we are in the wilderness, no one can, can touch us because it is in the wilderness that we, are, that we are found with God. The people of Israel exit out of the authority of Egypt, but carried away, carried it away on their shoulders in the face of their idols, and they expressed the lust of their soul when they disregarded the manna of heaven and murmured and cried that they couldn't feed their soul with meat, melons, garlic, and onions. Uh, regarding in Amos and in the Acts 7.43, Acts 7, Acts 7.3. Uh, this is the the deity of worship of Saturn, and there is this celebration of this pagan holiday, the old death and coming of the new one. And to be strengthened by the might and glory, it's necessary to fill one condition, to abide in all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Otherwise, we will never be able to come out of Egypt and stand against the powers of Egypt that surround us. Also, we will be unable to escape the judgment of God and the executions that are doomed to Egypt. And to depart from dependence on our soul, withstand the powers of the soul, the subject of our corrupt lusts, and in this manner escape the judgment of God and executions that are doomed to our soul, it was necessary for us to examine what is to be understood as the powers of God contained in the power of His glory. And only then we can examine how do we abide in all patience and long-suffering with joy, so that we can strengthen ourselves with these manifold powers of God. So let us define these. Examining the first question, what is to be understood as the powers of God contained in the power of His glory? We have come to a conclusion that the multifunctional powers of God 
are defined by the manifold works of God. Psalm 66, 3. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. And the main enemy, our main enemy, that is called to submit to us when we work with the greatness of God's powers, is not devil, or not the wicked, this is our soul. It must be overcome. All the enemies that we have, they come through it. Because if our soul is not crucified, and will have an uncrucified nature, then devil will have a legal way. Devil always acts in relation. He was in relation. He tries to go through the window, but most of the time he will come in legally, and God will not withstand him in this. Because our soul is tied to our nation, our household, our genetic predispositions, preferences, and desires. And for these enemies to submit to us, we must gain a foothold against them using the manifold and multifunctional powers of God presented in Scripture in His manifold works. And so the works of God done through the greatness of His power inspire fear and awe before God. And each individual person is called to behold in his life these results when he eats the Lord's Pesach in haste. Because it is in this haste that revealed itself in the midnight darkness of Egypt, God smote the firstborn of Egypt, robbed Egypt, and destroyed Egypt's best army. But at this time the Israelites were healed from all forms of illnesses and viruses that were brought on by Egypt, enriched them with the best riches of Egypt, and made them free from the bondage of Egypt. And so, the manifold and multifunctional powers of God contained in the power of God is revealed a great deed of God's redemption, showing us who God is for us and what He has done for us. And question, how can we be strengthened by the great powers of God? It reveals for us what we must do to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus already. And so, in a certain format, we have already examined several definitions that yield the nature and character of specific powers of God produced in His people and through His people. And we have stopped at the next power of God that is called to be expressed in the heart and through the heart of a person who has been redeemed by God in the multitude of mercies and bounties of God. The next power of the Lord in the heart of a person redeemed by God is in the multitude of mercies and bounties of God. Psalms 5, 4 through 8. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. We have noted that the multitude mercies of God expressed in the bounties of God are the transcendent powers of God. So they're the transcendent powers of God, the multitude of mercies through which we are called to clothe ourselves into the new man. 
and through these multiple powers of God expressing the multitude of His mercies, to enter into the house of God, it is necessary for our heart to gain the right not only to rule and work with these powers, but the right to be in these powers. And this right to rule over and be in the powers of God, expressing the multitude of God's mercies, is the fear of the Lord that is called to use and maintain those powers to blot out our iniquities before the face of God. Specifically, the fear of the Lord in the face of God's wisdom Yielding the mind of Christ in the heart of man stands at the head of these multiple powers that result in a multitude of his mercies and is their immediate commander. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin uh, my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous Spirit. What wonderful words David had spoken in Psalms 51, verses 3 through 14. And so the phrase, Create in me an, a clean heart points to our cooperation with God in the cleansing of our conscience from dead works by the blood of the cross of Christ for the service to the living and true God. This is written in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We have noted that recognizing... Um, he had went, came as a sacrifice for us. The Roman soldiers, they had struck his skin, ripped off his skin, and alive. They beat him. Therefore, these images, icons, movies that we have perhaps have seen, it does not even look like the real thing. He was completely changed. His body was a bloody mess. You couldn't recognize his face. Here you'll hit a person three or four times, and we can't uh, see the face of this person, but here he was hit over and over and over again. And despite this, this is the horror of each of our sins. And he took this, each of our sins upon himself. We have inherited this. He went up for us. 
When we see what he did and who he is for us, we begin to study. What we must do to inherit all that he has done for us. Because this was the place of each of us. Because the retribution for sin was death. And you know, according to... We just simply say, this is mine, this belongs to this is not high. But I saw that in each of us, each of us has to have our own Golgotha. And before this Golgotha, there must be this Garden of Gethsemane. We must each have our own uh, sweat of blood. And when we can not just read in notes to set aside to renew and clothe, but when we say, let your will be done, and we come upon our cross, and when we cooperate with the cross of Christ, then this will all occur. But before this, this is simply a phrase. Perhaps we have learned it. We perhaps might read it every single day. Must voluntarily dedicate ourselves voluntarily have the desire despite the fact despite what is happening around us all right we have noted that recognizing our iniquity before god is an important step however for god to blot out our iniquity recognizing our iniquity before god by itself is not enough because for the blotting out of our iniquities, we must cooperate with the multiple powers of God in the subject of His mercies contained in the inheritance of the blood of the cross of Christ. It is this unique cooperation with the multitude of God's mercies expressed in His immeasurable bounties that created a prayer that defines the haste needed to eat of the Pesach. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. The thing is, is that only after blotting out our transgressions through our cooperation with the multitude of the Lord's tender mercies, will we be made worthy of God and will receive the right to enter before the face of the Lord to ratify His interest in His perfect justice. You know, when I had first heard the truth about uh, justification, I heard it in 1994. Then I simply began to live because all the sins, the dependencies that were on my shoulders. And even when I repented in them, this was before my eyes. And you know, when I heard the truth about the fact that God justifies and that God is my justification and He does not remember this, our sins, and he does not view us through sin as as one, as people can look at each other. And when you remember that this is the one who has delivered me, and when one couple, they were in a brotherly council, uh, they had sin, they repented of it. This was many years ago. And the members of the brotherly council on another day, they told me, they're not going to be white anymore. They are always going to be gray. Even though they repented and here all of a sudden I heard about justification that God has justified me we must hold on to this justification with two hands when we stand 
Before his face, we will completely forget about our needs. We are going to desire to fulfill his interests, his will. Only in his presence can we easily say, let your will be done. But when we, and when we say this, we will receive the strength. And therefore, to fulfill the justice of God, it is necessary for mercy and truth to bind our necks so that these virtues could be written on the tablets of our heart and become the state of our hearts, thanks to which we could receive favor in the eyes of God and man. Proverbs 3, 3-4 Mercy and truth, let them not forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Our neck, which is a symbol that we are called to bind to mercy and truth, is our cooperation with the sovereign and perfect will of God. In practice, this means to submit our will to the perfect will of God aforementioned in Scripture. Not my will be done, but yours, Christ had said. And this, these words we must speak and not think. Whereas engraving mercy and truth on the tablets of our heart is the cooperation of our wise and, and rational heart with the wisdom and mind of God, which in practice means to prepare the soul of our heart to accept the seed of the gospel word of the kingdom of heaven. This is our direct uh, need. And I've put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. We have to have the desire to become so. What did Solomon ask for when he st stood at the kingdom? Take a look at what is the most important. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may ha make all that I have commanded you. And so, a wise heart is a heart that is fertilized by, by the word of God. This heart was prepared how? It was found in this place. So that now we can say, let it be to me according to your word. You know, it's like a seal in a prepared document. Same thing that happened with, with Mary. According to what characteristics she was selected. Her inner state, her heart, had coincided with the requirements of God. When she heard the voice of God, she said, well, how will this be to me? And when she said, let it be to me according to your word, from this moment, everything began for her. And therefore, the teaching about mercy uh, that we are called to bind around our neck can manifest itself only under the strict boundaries of truth yielded by the principles of the written word of God, instead of some kind of created pseudo-religious images, as well as waste from our intellect which has no right or the ability to comprehend mercy and truth in the transcendent word of God. You know, it's not the head or the intellect. It must be a slave. Yes, God wants people to have an intellect. This is good, but it must be under control. And so for God to reach out his golden scepter towards us in the subject of his favor, things to which we receive the right to ratify his justice over the just and the, and the unjust, the virtues of mercy and truth are supposed to not only become the position of our hearts, but also its state. 
In relation to this, we have once again decided to refresh our memories with these questions that are well known to us. First, what character does Scripture put in the properties of God's mercies, which are an expression of His great power defining God's favor toward man in the image of His golden scepter? What purpose in our worship is called to fulfill the great powers of God in the subject of God's mercies? What price must we pay so that the multitude of God's mercies became our property and our state? And according to which result should we judge that God truly stretched out to us the multitude of His mercies in the image of His golden scepter that granted us His great powers? And so, the mystery of the nature of the mercy of God, the purpose of mercy, the right uh, price of the right to have the mercy of God, and the result that we together have the mercy of God. When studying the first question, what characteristics does Scripture use to you to define the property of God's mercy, that is, the expression of His multitude of powers? We arrived at the conclusion that the mercy of God is one of the main names of God as well as of as his uh, his dignities blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and god of all comfort second corinthians 1 3 second the mercy of god is the definite is the inheritance of god that is passed along to his children as heirs of the faith of abraham from one righteous nation to another righteous nature from nation from one from the father to the son through the mercy of god according to its status is magnified or lifted higher than the life in the flesh because it's better than life in the flesh fourth the mercy of the lord is one of the multifunctional expressions of the goodness of god expressed in his grace that has reigned in the heart of a person through righteousness which a person has accepted as a gift according to that grace of the redemption of christ jesus and fifth, the mercy of the Lord contained in the goodness of God is one of the definitions and expressions of the truth of God that is meant for the vessels of mercy that are kept in truth. And therefore, the mercy of God expresses itself in truth. Psalms 89, 2 For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. These words are unique in that the person who sings of or who praises the mercies of God contained in His grace receives the ability to speak of these mercies in the boundaries of truth as the truth of God, which points to the fact that a person who magnifies mercy and speaks of them as truth dwells in the goodness of God and keeps himself from falling. Romans 11.22 Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in His goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. In this case, the goodness of God is a demonstration of mercy and truth that covers those people who have bound their necks with mercy and truth. Whereas the severity of God is a demonstration of justice of God that is spread out to those people who have refused who have themselves according to their personal decision refused to bind their necks with truth and mercy scripture calls these people stiff stiff-necked Psalms 89 14 righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne mercy and truth go before your face the phrase mercy and truth go before your face means that mercy and truth they go forth, they go in front. First we have mercy and truth, and only then justice 
and truth. So if mercy and truth will go behind us, then just then we will be destroyed by God. If we do not prepare our heart to hearing the preached mercy and truth of the messengers of God, we will not have any opportunity to turn upon ourselves the goodness of God. 1 Peter 5, 5 Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And therefore, regarding the question of hearing the word of God through which we are called to acknowledge or enter into the inheritance of God, it is necessary to each time make the decision and to prepare ourselves not for the role of critics and inspectors, but the role of disciples who themselves pay the price. And this kind of discipleship always includes the mutual and the daily work between God and man. So when it talks about uh, cooperation with God, the role of God is that He, as a testator of the inheritance of mercy, containing contains the boundaries, and He establishes for us the requirements through which we can enter into the inheritance that are necessary for us. God's mercies. For the fulfillment of these requirements, God, through His delegated authority, sends a man His help in the face of the Holy Spirit and the subject of the written Word of God, which in this case highlights for us how, with what means, and at what time, and in what sequence we should fulfill the conditions. And the role of man in cooperation with God in the inheritance of His mercies and is comprised of us on the conditions of God to accept the Holy Spirit as well as the help of the Holy Spirit. The means for accepting every kind of help expressed in the inheritance of the mercies of God is prayer or worship. Given that prayer is none other than the right that a person gives for the interference of heavens in the sphere of earth. We are called to give God this right only on His established conditions. And one of these prayers is written in Psalms 143, in which man gives God the right to interfere in his life with his mercy and truth. And it is going to be the subject of our inheritance. This was the first service uh, at, during which we heard Psalms 143. And approximately five years has passed now. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of the old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, in you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake, 
bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. For us to study this prayer song, it is first necessary for us to establish the reason why David had spoken these words prayer to God and then turned it into a psalm which was called to be fulfilled in the tabernacle before the ark of the Lord by a choir with uh, many musical instruments. The reason for the release of this prayer according to its contents served as a certain category of enemies that withstood David. This is first and foremost the flesh of David personified sin, personified death which through the flesh had brought danger to David. And to be heard by God, David had to present God a certain foundation that could serve for God as evidence for the interference of his mercy and truth in the life of David. From David's perspective, this evidence and this prayer were ten arguments or ten foundations which David had brought to God, saying, Hear me. And all of these components are, the, are great blessings for each of us. Hear me for your mercy and truth, for the remembrance of your works, and because I stretch out my hands to you, because I trust in you, because I lift up my soul to you, because I run to you, because you are my God, for your name, for your mercy, and because I am your servant. These uh, ten arguments had presented God, David the legal right for God to hear him on the foundation of which God could interfere in his life and these ten arguments that are working for us and so we will take a look at the first argument that gave God the legal right to stand on David's behalf against his enemies the evidence of truth and righteousness and prayer Psalm 65 18 through 20 if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has intended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. And you know when David had wrote this psalm, and what time in his life? This was when he had uh, slept with Versavia, uh, with Sheba, when he had killed his friend, her husband. And Nathan had corrected him. Nathan had showed him that in his heart there was no lawlessness, that the sin came as a foreigner to him. He, according to wisdom from above, told David a story. He told it in such a way that David, uh, as if David did not know something. He had talked to him about a person who had lots of sheep, and that a foreigner came to him, and he thought, why do I need to give my sheep to him? Because the foreigner had to be fed. And he took one sheep with which he ate, with which he slept, and he had pierced it. And David in his anger said, Who is this man? He must die. And Nathan had answered, This is you. You know the heart of David in this moment. It was moved, and David said, I have sinned before the Lord, I must die. 
So when we recognize our sin, we recognize that we have sinned, and we sign a decree, and in doing so, we overcome our sin, and God takes takes off our sin. You know, there are two categories of wars and two categories of victories. First war is when we do not sin, but we and we have nothing to sin with. This is victory. And this, the second one, is when we sin and we get up. This is victory. This is also victory. This is the mercy of God that we are able to win these wars in this manner with these victories. David did not have sin in his heart. This was sin that came uh, came on the outside. In his heart was mercy and truth. If David had lawlessness in his heart, God would have never even heard him. But when he said, I must die, this was the confession of his sin. If David would not have cried out his prayers on the foundation of mercy, uh, of a truth and righteousness, he would not have any right to be heard by God uh, against his enemies, his flesh, sin, death. And to lift up his, to lift up our prayer in truth and righteousness necessary for our transgressions to be blotted out before the face of God and for us to not see them in our heart. And for us to not see these transgressions when someone had sinned and is justified. We would not remind man of this. In other words, for us to not see these transgressions, our heart will be cleansed of these dead works. A psalm of David. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I think that I will conclude at this. And again, I want to give thanks to God that we together are in the body of God, that we express our love toward one another and you know this works because this is the living body of our Lord Jesus Christ Amen May we pray Heavenly Father, righteous God, I thank you for this great privilege to be found upon this holy place that your hand has outlined. I, with a humble heart, thank you that you have freed have freed me from the vain life passed on to me from my forefathers. You have freed us from the law of sin and death and you have led us into the law of the spirit of life and in Christ Jesus I thank you Lord for this I thank you Lord for the good wife in the face of the narrow gates which we have found when we began to acknowledge that 
this word rules over us. I thank you, Lord, that I am able to consider myself along with the saints dead to sin and alive to God, to hold on to the proclamations without unswervingly and to be faithful. I thank you for the opportunity to submit myself to that word that has become the light of our paths because we love your law and the commandments of men we of men we despise we thank you lord for this abundance the abundance of your promises that have not just become the text that have are not just from the text of scripture but that have been placed in our hearts and by proclaiming them they have become our food they have become our garments they have become our weapons. They have become our house. They have become our goals. Because we know that the prom that your pro the promises are enduring. I thank you for the opportunity, along with the saints, to bow down before you. May you give us according to the riches of your mercy to be firmly strengthened in spirit and in the inmost man so that we can comprehend what is the width and depth the height and to understand the love of Christ I thank you Lord that we have the opportunity in relationship to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and this means that we have a relationship toward his resurrection and that this gives us the power to the right to call upon the name of the Lord to trample on our enemies I thank you for this word that has lifted us up to heights higher than us May our enemies be destroyed in all spheres of our life. I, along with all of the saints, thank you, Lord, that we have passed along this Jordan and can overcome into this promised land. And despite the fact that giants live on it in our essence, they will not overcome, for the land belongs to you, and we will enter it into its inheritance and I thank you Lord for your messengers for our pastor brother Arkady may this man be blessed and may you give us understanding all that we understand for us to be able to eat it all that we do not understand for us to place it on the table and this is going to be the food of the Lord I rejoice Lord uh, in your abundant word your power your strength, your work in us, that you are powerful to save us. I bow down before you with your people, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
and let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.